The unwritten rules of Facebook. It cut all of our ad costs by over 70%. How do you want to be able to take in all of this data that's around us? Some of these campaigns have done up to $20 million in sales. I think this is going to be the future for the next 10 years. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss, Heather Havenwood. Look, our whole world revolves around our iPhone, iPad, Droid. You know they say we look at our phones on average 150 times a day? And if you're a small business and want to actually grow, you need to reach people where they're looking at and listening the most, their smartphones. See, marketing via text messaging is a great way to start, and it's super easy. Just text the word START to 72000 to learn more about my friends at Mobit. They're marketing experts, and they will show you how to use text messaging for your business and to get more leads and convert them amazingly. Again, text the word START to 72000. Again, that's text the word START, S-T-A-R-T, to 72000. Hi, everyone. This is Heather Havenwood, and welcome to The Win. And today I have Jason Silverman. Are you on the line? I'm here. You are here. So I'm going to tell everybody who you are just a little bit. But at the same time, I think for me, who you are is an amazing entrepreneur and a business owner. All right. So Matt, you are the founder and CEO of Powerful Words Character Development, the number one character education system for the after school activity world, which includes martial arts, dance, cheer, gyms, gymnastics, and very much more. He's also the co-founder of allstarcheersites.com and dance sites done right firms to help development of dance and cheer industries. Jason is also the martial arts master instructor, a market expert, speaker, and coach, as well as an information marketer. And most recently, Jason leads the Jason's Army 7-Figure Formula Mastermind Group, where he helps gym owners to get more clients, make more money, find their freedom. So, and more importantly, he's married with two beautiful kids. I had the opportunity to be interviewed by you, Jason, is that you're an entrepreneur. To me, what that means, and we were talking about that off-air, what that means is you've written a check, you know, a big check to an agency, to a vendor. If you have a product business, you've written a check to some kind of fulfillment house or to a manufacturer. That is, to me, an entrepreneur. When all of a sudden you're just putting things out there or you're a sales rep for a company, that's not an entrepreneur to me because you don't know what it feels like to write a check to a lease every single month and don't even know if customers are going to come in, you know? So what do you think of that? Well, I think you're 100% spot on. I mean, I think back to business school and I remember one of my entrepreneurial classes, entrepreneurship classes, where a professor was like, you know, entrepreneurship is simply managing risk and taking a profit from it. Mm. I mean, I, I remember being young and dumb and really excited about that concept that I got to risk something, but the reward was my own. So absolutely. I mean, the difference between being a sales rep where you're paid for somebody else's firm and having all the risk on you is dramatic. You know, I consider it just taking ownership, mm-hmm. you know, take ownership of your own success. What are you doing every single day to either increase the profit or decrease the profit? I mean, your actions are actually going to cause you to do one of those two things. There, there is no neutral. Mm-hmm. There just isn't. So, what are you doing on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis to ensure that the curve goes up as opposed to going down? 
No, I love that. And, you know, the win is really about what I call winning the game of business. So I look at it like a game, like you're talking about that is like, it's a risk. And if you're a football player, let's just play football for a second because, you know, we love football. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm sure you are too. Just kidding. I'm not, yeah, like not go there. <laughs> you're like, no. <laughs> so something about that. I still believe the Cowboys. Come on, guys. But here's the deal. Like you have the coaches and you have the players, right? And people always talk about, you know, what really are they selling with football? The excitement? No. Like what's their product? It's the players, right? The product is the players and they basically buy players and then they make money off the players. Okay. That's just the economics of football, right? And then they have brand and then they make the brand bigger and they make money on the brand. But the bottom line is they have these things called players and players are the product. You know, and they put the product together and they go, okay, we need you to win these things called games over a period of time. And then we make more money, more money, more money. So from your business sense and in your experience, what do you think in your business you're doing with the gyms, the martial arts, the cheers? Like, Where are they at in that game of football? Like, what is their product? I'm glad you asked that. You know, quite honestly, I say this every single day in some way, shape or form. The product is simply the experience their clients walk away with. So for a, call it a cheer gym, a martial arts academy, a dance studio, a gymnastics club, the product is the feeling that that kid and that parent walk off the mat and out of their door with. Because quite honestly, it's fleeting and it changes every single day. So you have a crappy feeling, you're one day closer to quitting. You've got a great feeling, your retention is through the roof. So... That truly is the product. Now, the other aspect of that is there's so many elements that go into the delivery of the product, right? Right, right. You know, quality got, control. I mean, how would you do a quality control on that? Well, quality control is simple. You know, you can do all sorts of high-level metrics, which for the most part is horseshit because nobody's going to do it, especially in a small business. Or you can look at what your quit rate is. And if you, it's very simple to know whether or not you're delivering on your product because if people are quitting, they're firing you. It's as yeah, easy as that. That's right. They're firing you. They're quitting. They're quitting. I mean, so, you know, you know that your quality is off. And it's not just the quality of the thing, it's the quality of the experience of the thing. I know plenty of places, especially in the after school activity world, where the product, as far as the actual education being provided is top notch. There's nobody better. However, there's no engagement with the clientele. There is no positive experience so that this is what their people are talking about. Mm -hmm. If you just make it about the thing, you're a commodity. Mm -hmm. When you make it about the experience of the thing, you become, you put yourself into a division of one. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get people talking. That's where you get people loving on your product, loving on you. Because again, football is about the players. Right. I would actually argue that the players are simply the delivery mechanism for the product. The actual product is how do I feel when I watch a Cowboys game? Sad. <laughs> well, okay, sorry. I mean, that's 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 past it. <laughs> Upsetting and wondering why we're not playing more. But I do get what you're saying. So I just want to go to this because I think lots of times let's say football. And I remember when I was a kid, I was I didn't do cheer team, but I did do like acting school. We had this acting school and Tina Caffio. Like I still remember her, right? Years and years and years. It was a community of acting. We had all of these plays on, and we always thought it was Tina. 
you know, like Tina was the one, she was the coach or whatever. And I don't think it's the person, it's the experience. And it's also the result. How moms would talk back then were like, oh, well, Tina created this girl who went on. And now she's like a multimillionaire actress or whatever. Right. And so I was like, oh, we want to go to Tina's school or whatever. And I remember that because Tina helped me like talk. I mean, the girl like, helped me talk. Right. But at the same time, like I left Tina's experience, the whole experience with her, or that group of like, had a good experience in life. You know what I mean? It was like, I had a good experience there. I grew as a, a little girl, I grew up in that experience. And so therefore, there's a good experience. I think she's still around to this day. I mean, I don't even know. So I mean, is that what you're saying? It's not necessarily the coach, you know, the teacher in the gym, experience, it, it, it truly better not be. But because they make again, it that way, right? Do they, don't they? A lot of like, oh, that's the cheer team of coaches this or the martial arts. You got to go to that guy. Well, absolutely. And the problem with that, the problem inherent with that is that eventually that staff member will leave. And when you make it about them, so will half your business. So, you know, if you think about like a hair salon, if you think about if you're just making it about that person versus and this is really important. This is, I did a lot of work with the Emoth Academy for years and years, Michael Gerber's group. And the whole basis there was franchise prototyping the business. And it was more about creating how we do it here. So at my martial arts school years and years ago, first of all, every instructor was rotated through every class. So it was never about that one instructor. It was about how we do it here. And each instructor was responsible for relaying the message that I had created. Mm. And when they did that, it was a score for the school. The instructor themselves was a vehicle for delivery of that message. Right. Okay. Now I get that. So it's kind of like in Cowboys when Tom Landry left, and everyone's like, oh, Cowboys suck now or whatever. <laughs> that happens a lot with teams. But I also think about colleges and universities, how they try to say that the university is great, but then they sometimes rely on, well, we also have the professor of. But at the end of the day, it's always a reputation of the school that tries to continue, right, versus the professor. They usually do that pretty, what I call correct. Of course. I mean, right. if you think about this, right? Like, if someone tells you, listen, I'm a Harvard University graduate, you don't say, well, yeah, but who is your finance professor? Right. <laughs> yeah, but who'd you really go to? Right. Exactly. Yeah. They don't ask that. They're like, oh, Harvard. And it has a prestige to it. Like, already the brand of it has that prestige. Exactly. And that, for a business, you know, first of all, you have to develop that, you know, and, and you develop it before you have it. So what exactly are we going for? Are we the Walmart? Are we the Neiman Marcus? Yeah. You know, are we a Yugo? Are we a Mercedes or a Bentley? You know, you have to actually determine which this is going to be for you. Because when you create that, then filling in with our correct staff members, there's a competitor, or he thought he was a competitor of mine, Crosstown, he had, had a martial arts school there for many years. And I'm sure he was a very nice person. Um, Stop playing but, it up. You're just like, he was a competitor. I kicked his butt. Will you just say that? Well, I mean, well, yeah. That's, Own it, that Jason. Absolutely, that absolutely happened. However, it was the, it was more along the lines of, mm -hmm. he actually had a tattoo of a snake going all the way around his neck that ended up on his right cheek. Now, quite honestly, for the type of clientele I was interested in working with, mm -hmm. that was not a valuable asset in their mind. I can see that. 
So, you know, I'm not going to trust my little four-year-old princess to the guy who looks like he's three hours out of prison. So I can see that going really wrong on so many levels. You know what I mean? I can just see that going wrong. Dear darling, little Allison, I need you to go, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about the tattoo. But then meanwhile, like some big bad guy's going down the street. Oh, that guy's scary. Oh, he looks like my instructor. Like, hmm. Yeah. What could could possibly go wrong with this? What could possibly go wrong with that? So, yeah, I mean, it really is. And again, a lot of this goes back to a lot of uh, Michael Gerber's philosophy of, you know, developing a strategic objective for your business first. When you do that, you basically create a roadmap for a win. Yep. That was the biggest thing. Obviously, I've done that for each of the businesses that I run. Like, I know exactly where I'm going with them. I know what I need to get to. So it's not like this big, weird-ass, esoteric goal out there. Like, I just want to be successful. No. No. That, that's not it. I need to have X amount of clients generating X amount of revenue with profit margin of X percent. I have this many staff members. This is our... This is the way we look. This is the way we behave. Here is our central demographics model. Here is our central psychographics model. And really be able to nail that down so that you're really just removing the bits of rock to reveal the sculpture that's already there for your business. Oh, my God. That's great. So it's living by the metrics, which, by the way, is a huge thing entrepreneurs don't do. And it's the way you really win. When you start making decisions based on metrics and not feeling, it's a different experience and you have a different roadmap. And something I want to say to you about the Michael Gerber and a company that I used to work with. Now, at the time, I didn't understand it, right? Because one of those hindsight, but I worked for a company called Dientech. Dientech owned the rights to Robert Allen Institute. Okay. Now he didn't own Robert Allen. He owned the rights to the concept of Robert Allen Institute. And when the brilliancy was behind that is that, yes, he used the name Robert Allen, right? And then we had what I call the construct of Robert Allen's teachings. And Robert Allen was never there, right? So Robert Allen never traveled with us. We had his picture and all that kind of good stuff and his endorsement and work and things like that. But he was never there. We were constructs of his teaching, right? So we would teach or sell his teachings. Now, the beauty of that, at the time, I mean, of course, right? But at the time, I didn't see the beauty in that because Robert Allen was never there. And the owner, Larry Pino, Dynatech, was never there. And here we were traveling the country. There was multiple teams, like five or six or seven teams, depending on the time of year, of people out there talking about and selling this person called Robert Allen. The beauty of that, it's E-Myth 101, right? It's like, we're selling the pies of Robert Allen, but Robert Allen is going to be there. And it's actually, that's the concept right now. I'm trying to move into one of my companies is like, yes, we have this thing called a particular program and we're going to put a name on it, but how do we leverage that? So that person doesn't have to be the one over and over and over again, you know? And that's what you're saying with schools. Like you have a particular program that you're basically saying, this is the program of the school. Then you can multiply that versus one person. When you're a small business owner and everybody starts that way, right? Some choose to stay there forever, but whatever. If you are busy doing it all yourself every single day, figuring it out, how can you ever give yourself a promotion? <laughs> what? What's that? No, I'm kidding. Well, yeah, you're right. No, that's, I'm laughing out of pure because I'm dealing with that right now in this business. It's year one in one of the businesses. And I'm like, ah! so yeah, no, you're right. It's like you have to give yourself the permission to give yourself a promotion and move yourself out. Exactly. That's really true. And I have to ask you this question. So in the world of martial arts, Jim, I just love the model, by the way, because it's completely relatable to so many other businesses, especially the coaching and authorship business. I mean, it's kind of has the same model, I would say. I don't know if you see it that way. I kind of see the same model where 
you're bringing people in to learn something like martial arts or dance or particular way of doing things in the gymnastics world. But then you can't keep it all on the focus of the coach. You have to be able to keep it focused on the school. And how is it that you, let's say you have someone in front of you, a particular coach, let's say, and they don't want to do that. Like they're up against the, well, it's not you, it's the school model. And they want to go, no, it's me. It's not the school. How do you coach someone through that or that particular mindset? Well, how do I personally do it or how should somebody else do it? Um, How do you suggest it? (laughs) (laughs) Because for me, quite honestly, like if your mindset is broken, and I do believe that is a broken mindset, making it about you and not about them. And most entrepreneurs feel that, oh, it's, it's always about me versus them. And that's not the case. It's always about them. It's always about your clients. It's always about the client experience. So if the client experience is not you, well, then what is it? Well, it's, it's the way we do it here. And if you think of it, every business is like that. Every business is an educational business, even a restaurant, right? We're going to teach you how to order here, what we do here, how we do it our way here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Everything is like that. So how would I coach them? <sighs> More often than not, I'd use the, the verbiage, listen, you have to understand it's always about them. It's never about you. When you make it about you, you're never, ever going to be able to give yourself a promotion. And at some point, maybe not when you're 22 and all you want to do is do the thing, but maybe when you're 32 or 42 and you need to move out of your mom's basement and you know maybe you get married and maybe you buy a house and some cars and want to have vacations and, and trips and maybe you have some kids and maybe those kids need braces or heaven forbid they're not healthy and they need medication or surgeries or whatever. You can't be stuck doing the thing. You actually need to be using your time and your talents in the highest and most important regard possible. And that's really searing your shit. You know, I talk a lot about, would you ever get onto a boat where there was no captain? Mm. You wouldn't because you'd probably drown. <laughs> so instead, or you sure wouldn't end up where you wanted to be. Same thing with the business, mm-hmm. right? Like it has to be your vision. You must be the captain. And if you're busy, you know, I tell a story a lot of times when I'm on stage about, I had a, an early mentor who owned a, a large franchise of martial arts schools. And we were talking one day, and I was frustrated with the level of unsuccess at that point and my level of complete fatigue. And he's like, so Jason, have you ever been on a cruise? I'm like, yeah, I've been on a cruise. He's like, well, just stay with me for a second here. When you're on that cruise, did you ever have a drink? I'm like, yeah, of course. I said, well, who brought you the drink? I'm like, this is stupid. Why are we having this conversation? The, the bartender or the waitress, he's like, you're telling me that the captain of the ship didn't leave the bridge, go down and mix you up a drink and put it on a uh, silver platter and bring it to you on your shade lounge? No, no, that didn't happen. He's like, well, the reality is you can't steer your ship while you're busy serving drinks in the lounge. And so many business owners are just serving drinks in the lounge and because that's what they're good at, that's what they're comfortable at, rather than focusing on steering that ship and developing the level of success necessary to support their own family, all their clients, and provide, you know, just the best experience for everybody out there. This is why so many times you have someone who's like a good chef, 
right? Or a good, or a good waitress. They, oh, I want to run a business. Like, and then it fails. Nothing against their work as a chef. But that's why most of the time, like right now, I'm working with my, my boyfriend, Dr. Don. And it's like, because he's the doctor, he's the one in there with the clients. It's like, he needs someone who's what I call outside and not being the doctor, you know, kind of helping running the ship. But this happens a lot. And I remember there was a particular franchise that was growing and someone said, you know, the owner of the franchise can't even do the thing, whatever like the service was. Right. And I was like, it's brilliant. It's actually better that the franchise owner has the concepts and that they are hiring people that do the thing. It's actually better because he knows or he or she knows, knows that, well, if someone's sick, they can't even go in there and do it. It's almost in a weird way better because they know they have to hire for that out. And because of that, that's where the franchise model works. Yeah. There's so many of the things that they are supported on the marketing, the branding, some business side of it. So they can focus on the thing that they do, you know? One that's really big here is Bar 3. You know, it's the bars and they, kind of like a ballet, kind of a ballet franchise, I guess, Bar 3. It's an exercise. And I was talking to one of the franchise owners and they have four of them. And the challenge they're having is it's like they need more certification coaches or certification Bar 3, whatever. And I find it fascinating that the owners are still doing classes. And to me, I'm like, I know they're probably doing because they love it, but it's like, stop doing that. You know, pull yourself out and just run the business. Yeah. <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> I didn't say that know, to them. They weren't hiring me, but that's what I was thinking back in my head. You know, the last couple of years of owning my school, I really wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And what we found is we were way more successful than when I wasn't there than when I was. Yeah. Because well, again, it was just people implementing and executing my vision as opposed to me screwing with it every day. Yes. Yeah, so let me ask you this one question. So imagine you have a school, even instructor who's maybe has been around for 20 years and uh, maybe they're very like, you have got to expand and you're like, we have to hire more instructors, whatever the instructors are. Okay. It could be martial arts or whatever. And he's like, he or she's like, well, I don't want to, you know, teach my secrets <laughs> or whatever it is. It's like, how do you get someone like that to say, okay, well, we need you to train other people underneath you. Because if not, we're not going to expand. If not, we're going to die on the vine. I mean, how do you get that philosophy over there with a coach or instructor or a brilliant person over there that, yes, it's not going to what I call dilute your coaching or your brilliance by training other people? I would fire them so fast your head would <laughs> Oh, my God. That's great. I didn't think you were going to say that. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing. I am happy to work with people who are coachable. Mm -hmm. However... When somebody, again, you know, all everything you just said tells me that this is a person who's saying it's about me. It's not about them. Right. It's not about me. I'm the only one that can do it. I'm the only one that can do it. You ever heard that before? I'm the only well, one. I'm the only here's one. Here's the deal. If you're the only one that can do it, you got a problem. You really got a problem because, and actually, no, let, let me take that back. You very well, if you are the artiste, mm -hmm. so to speak, that's totally cool. Because like, And I do have clients who are like the best of the best. You know, they've got Olympian gymnasts, they've got, these are hard core people. My commentary to them is like, all right, you should remain in the coach's position, but you need to hire a CEO and a CFO. Mm. You just do. I mean, the position has to be filled. Whether it's filled with you or not is entirely your decision. But understand this, when you hire somebody else to create a vision, it's no longer your vision. Right. Right. No, that makes sense. It's kind of like a trainer when a trainer opens a gym. 
Yep. I've had that. And like all of a sudden the gym's going, the equipment's going, they're doing good training. Well, yeah, of course. One has nothing to do with the other. Yeah, they don't, right? They're completely separate. And I know a guy who actually opened a gym. He hates training, right? So he was actually an amazing manager and his gym did very well because he focused on the management side of the business and making sure the equipment was amazing and the experience was amazing. The bathrooms were clean and like focus on that. Someone came in and bought the business, right? Because what they're buying, they're buying just the lease and the equipment and the membership. Trainers are like, oh, they're just sidekick, right? So he actually thought that through. But that's really interesting you say that because I, I mean, right now I'm dealing with that. And one of my businesses, Skinny Beam, we're looking at how do we expand the product such that it's moving away from what I call the, the original creator. Yeah. How do you do that in a way that it could be monetized across the country and leverage without that person there? You know, it's an interesting piece. I think a lot of people don't look at that, especially in like a dentistry or chiropractic. They figure they're the one, you know, their business is the one. It's, it's them. It's but it's not. Them. It's, it's not. not. I mean, there are certain businesses that are only personality driven versus systems driven. I mean, and that's really what we're doing. You know, kind of morphed into that part of the conversation where it's you're now talking about are you a systems driven company or are you a personality driven company? Personality driven companies are fine as long as that personality always wants to do that thing forever for you. Mm-hmm. As a systems driven company, you're able to completely document everything out so that you're able to bring somebody on and have them execute your systems and your vision in a systemic fashion. So you get a consistent result every single time Mm -hmm. by the lowest qualified employee. Mm. Is that what you think has happened? Like I'm just thought about Apple, right? Steve jobs built it and then he left and so-called it went to as what they say, and then he came back and revived it, and then he passed on. I, th- I think it's at a point now, it's so big that it's continued the vision. But do you think that's kind of what happened in the early days? It's a particular example of like a visionary and a mission, and then the guy left, you know, being the leader. He went off, whatever the reason was. I think he got fired or whatever it was. And then the company tried to continue the innovation and didn't do well, right? So they brought him back in. Like, okay, we need you, you know, and then he revived it, put all this life into it. But I look at that particular company and at the beginning, they tried to release the personality behind it for a while. They tried to release it and then they needed it back. It's almost like from the beginning, they didn't structure it from the beginning. But like you said, the quote had the person at the bottom be able to continue the vision no matter what. I think they now have, but at the time. Well, yeah, I mean... Listen, you're talking about a brand that size that's looking to absorb the personality or persona of a particular person. Mm -hmm. I get it. But the business systems of actually creating product that works, Mm -hmm. you know, that that goes far outside the persona of the brand. Right. Right. I mean, again, now you're talking about branding versus systems. That's going to be dramatically different. Right. So I guess you're distinguishing, you're almost like uncollapsing system, personality, and brand. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the systems actually have to happen. Everybody has systems, whether or not they're good or bad is, you know, the difference between success <laughs> and failure. Right. You know, getting up every day, drinking 12 cups of coffee and watching daytime TV versus working is a system. That's what I do. You know, well, hey, that's what we all do, right? You know? Bonbons. But the branding of it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that's actually a direction. That's more like uh, Gerber's philosophy of developing your company's story ahead of time. 
So what is the story of your firm? What are people saying about your firm? Leads to the direction your marketing takes, which again leads to the story that referrals will get from current clients, which again leads to what your staff tells people. And that becomes your legacy. But the, the cool part is, is you can actually develop that ahead of time. So I want to wrap it up with this because this has been an amazing conversation because you just said a ton, by the way, please listen to that again and write that down. He literally said to you step by step by step, what is that first step that if someone's going, you know what, we don't have a lot of systems in place. Maybe it is time that we start to systematize the business and brand and take that person, maybe pull that person away from it so much. What would be the first step? First step is go out and read the three visited. I mean, it'll take you about two or three days. Just so you actually have the verbiage to understand it. And then after you've done that, my suggestion is find a really, really, really simple system in your business and break it down idiot-proof checklist easy. Mm. So, you know, I always tell people in the after-school activity world, I want you to start with your opening system. So... The first step of the opening system is you insert the key into the door. You turn it one and a half times to the right and then one time to the left and then pull the key out and put it in your pocket. We'll open the door and walk in, turn left. There's a bank of lights. Okay. You're going to turn on one, two, three, four, seven, eight, and nine. Okay. And then walk over to the front desk, put your purse down and literally step by step through it. Once you've done that, set a goal for yourself. Okay, I am going to document one system per day, five days per week for one month. Mm. Okay, when I do that, I'm going to take myself out for a nice dinner or I'm going to go get a massage or I'm going to go watch a new movie or, or you're going to basically dog train yourself. Okay, right? you're going to give yourself a reward for doing something good for your business. That's the most challenging is actually writing down what one does especially in a business owner, because they do so much. So here's, this is actually a little secret. So what I did, I, I yeah. decided to systematize my business in a week. Okay. Yeah. I that. So, so I didn't sleep for a week, but <laughs> basically what I had is I actually had, I paid my staff a lot of money. They followed me around with a video camera for every waking minute that I was at the facility mm. and they videotaped everything. At that point, what I did was I took all the videos I sent them to a transcriptionist mm -hmm. and then I took the transcriptions and I sent them to a graphic designer and they broke them down into checklists for me. Ow. Oh my God. That is a really good hint list. Well, I, I'm going to use that. No, I'm not kidding. No, that's awesome. Cause I did the same thing every entrepreneur does. Like you just in the business, right? And right now we're building out two businesses at the same time. Anyway, that is awesome. I'm so going to use that. So much easier. The other aspect of it is because you now have all the video footage right. of how I did it, we then took those particular videos and put them into a staff training website so that they the staff see could see, you did. I did every job. So like, here's Jason cleaning the men's bathroom. Here's Jason cleaning the women's bathroom, you know, and they would break it down. Okay. I'd go out, I had my little bucket of cleaning supplies, I'd walk in, I'd knock three times to make sure there was nobody in there, I'd inward walk, turn the light on, spray, spray, wipe, wipe, spray, spray, wipe, wipe, turn around, do this. As silly as that is, there was never a disconnect between what I considered a job finished and what they considered a job finished. Of course, right. That's 101, right? right? Well, yeah, you'd think, but it's probably 
people more like a 501 class for a lot of these people. So being able to go in and, and get that done and say, hey, well, I cleaned the bathroom. Well, no, you didn't because you didn't do this, this, or this. Well, look at your checklist. Did you and, do you know, this, 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 right? Well, and then quite honestly, like we had checklists for everything and they would go through, check off, and then sign their name and then leave that on my desk at the end of the night. And the way I said it was, listen, if you check something off and sign your name to it that you didn't do, you're fired because you're lying to me. Wow. That's accountability. Well, I mean, it was simple. And, it, and I also, no, it's I also simple, did. but it's also like it's something transparent for you as a business owner. So now you're just managing the checklist. You're not managing all that other stuff. You're just managing, well, yeah, you're managing your system. You can't manage people. Right. You can't manage the system. So we did that. And then the other thing was we had an accountability email that to this day, every single one of my staff members sends me an email every single night. All of them. And the email is simple. It answers three questions. What did you do today? What problems did you run into today? And how can I be helpful in helping you solve them? Mm. And because of that, I know if somebody says, oh, I just taught classes, I taught, I did. Well, no, you're not taking any risks. What did you do? What did you do that's above and beyond? If more than 24 hours goes by of workday and you haven't sent me that, you're fired. Ooh. Because it should take you no longer than five minutes and you can do it at work. Right, exactly. So I'm paying you to do this. So do it. That's profound. I mean, you're managing the systems, not the people. There's no reason to manage people. And and quite honestly, once you actually explain to them, listen, it's not that I think you're stupid. It's that I want to free you to give an even better experience to the client. So I don't want you thinking about how to clean the bathroom. I just want you executing the system by bill. Hmm. That's pretty good. I hope you guys wrote this down. <laughs> I'm writing this down. Like I'm glad it's recorded. <laughs> Jason, you're amazing. I mean, we could go on forever. And I just want to say thank you for this. And I just want to shout out a few of your websites so people can go check you out. JasonMSilverman.co. JasonMSilverman.com. Is it dot com? Dot com, yep. Oh, I'm looking at the email. It says dot co. So I apologize, Jason. I, I had some broken thumbs, maybe. <laughs> and then jasonsarmy.com, powerfulwords.com, and all cheer sites. All star cheer sites. Okay, I'm going to let you say them. <laughs> I'm just reading off of this. I guess what I see. It's all good. Allstarcheersites.com is our websites. Powerfulwords.com, jasonmsilverman.com, and then jasonsarmy.com is the website for and what is mastermind. that? That's, uh, that's the website, uh, the information website for my mastermind group. Oh, it's, cool. Uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, That's new it's, it's, since we last f- talked. No, I mean, I don't think so. That exploded. That's content for another day. No, okay, great. Well, it looks really awesome. Get freedom and build a mobile six or even seven-figure tier business in 12 months or less. It's a great yeah. tagline. Awesome. Congratulations. And you're on a great beach. That looks fun. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Well, go check it out at jasonsarmy.com. Thank you, Jason, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Go check out jasonmsilverman.com as well. Jason, any last words? Get out there and make it happen, folks. That's awesome. All right. Thanks, Jason. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook, when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200 and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. 
For outside the USA, text SEXY to plus one three two three four five seven double two double eight. Text SEXY to plus one three two three four five seven double two double eight. Long distance charges may apply. Heather wants to hear from you. Questions you want answered on the show. Comments. Interview requests. Email media at sexywellsync.com or leave a private voicemail. 51 Boss is me. Again, the number is 512-677-4763. Check out all of Heather's sites. Heatherhavenwood.com. Sexybossinc.com. E2Lab.com. DatingTriggers.com. This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.